Hello and welcome to another episode of But Have You Heard About, where I, Courtney, and a guest talk about a new historically based topic. My guests will be presented with three topics to choose from. One is a topic for them, one is a shared interest, and the last is for me because I love hearing the sound of my own voice. Today, my guest is Bradbot. We've known each other for quite a few years. We used to play World of Warcraft together and we're both history nerds. Brad, say hello. Hi, how's it going, everybody? I like it. I like it. So, Brad, <laughs> I'm actually not going to give you any. Um, I'm only giving you one subject to talk about because you are a sports person. I am a sports person, as is very evident by the fact that I will talk all day about sports. But our topic today is a goal for imperialism. Because <laughs> imperialism is amazing. It kept the world going until we realized that it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's you know, it's, it's one of those things where uh, it's meant to be. I mean, it's not meant to be bad for, of course, people like in England and the U.K., uh, but yeah, the people that are being subjugated and whatnot are, uh, yeah. <laughs> are not having the best of times exactly. through this. Yeah. I mean, I want to focus on England and their spread of sports basically through nationalism and colonialism. But there were so many countries that participated in imperialism, like France with um, Southeast Asia. They also gave us the Vietnam War because um, they were like, we got to leave. But then communism comes in. Um, and then you also have Belgium with the Congo and blood diamonds. I mean, the only reason Belgium has any money and has such great looking infrastructure in their capital um, and a lot of their major cities is because they basically destroyed the Congo looking for diamonds and selling them and, you know, killing the people who got them for them. So, you know, yay, imperialism. Right. Uh, yeah. And the, the scramble for Africa there in general, which was essentially was either gotten through military conquest or uh, just shady deals. You know, a lot of these uh, European countries wanted to make sure what they were doing looked legal. And so what they would do is they would send you know, representatives over uh, with either merchants or government representatives and would just go in there and have them sign a legal document. And when they did sign the legal document, you know, even though those chiefs or tribal leaders or whoever were just, you know, they were getting it translated through another, say, English person or European person. They had no idea what they were actually signing. They were signing away their land and their people. Exactly. And so one of the like small dick energy complex, you have England, which is the smallest little baby island that somehow literally the sun literally never set on the empire for the UK. And, you know, they had lands over in Asia. They had Australia. They had parts of Africa. They had north america south america parts um just like little bitty holdings everywhere and so literally the sun never set on the empire but the best way that they kind of kept the empire together not the best but i would say a way they kept it together was introducing sports um and one of the reasons that or one of the ways they introduced sports was by the people they had going to these countries so they had people that were basically middle class boys who went to school and they had sports in like the 1850s. They started having sports in schools because sports builds character. It builds like responsibility, you become honest, you become loyal. All of these great things that develop when you play, you know, co-ed basketball in fourth grade at the YMCA. That's what the British believed in. And so you have these middle class or even wealthy young men coming out of school. And even if they go to university, they come out, they're going to either join like the military, they're become lawyers, doctors, or they're going to join ministries where they're going around preaching basically about how great the empire is. And they have these customs of playing sports and it's unified. And they're like, there are rules and you have to follow these rules. And by introducing sports, it was a way that, you know, you don't have to be the same 
socioeconomic status because they have no one else to play with. Like to play soccer, you can't just do one-on-one soccer or football. Right. They'd be like, okay, so we're going to teach the natives how to play. And by teaching them how to play, they're like, okay, we're indoctrinating them into our system. So I found that fascinating just by how they spread sports just because of, you know, you had these people that were educated that played sports growing up in school. And they were like, I'm bored. This isn't England. I don't have anything to do. So let's start sports here. Yeah. And it's definitely a good way to get the indigenous people, make it culturally relevant, you know, to them. Like, oh, you, you can be like one of us if you're playing this sport. You know, you're going to become British by playing a British sport. And that was, you know, football in this case or soccer. Yeah. Because it has like, you know, the social behaviors of being British, you have uh, standards, the relations, and the, literally that conformity. So imperialism, conformity, conform indigenous people to be part of the empire as a whole. Like it caused consequences later on um, in post-colonial times, but that's like a whole nother subject with revolutions. Love right. Yeah. And that's what it's going to become. Like this is going to be, you know, soccer especially soccer, because I mean, there's other famous UK sports, rugby, cricket, but soccer is going to take hold in all these imperial colonies because it's cheap, right? It's, you need a ball and you need a flat piece of land and that's about it. Like, and so even in their poorest countries like India and in Africa, and then of course, in even parts of Asia and South America, which basically have nothing. I mean, the poor indigenous people don't have much. And so, but what they get is I can, they can have a ball. It's easy for them to, you know, have this become part of their culture. Yeah. And so you have these conquerors basically coming in. They are being like, Hey, let's hang out. Let's play sports. But again, we're only equals on the playing field. We want nothing to do with you outside. You're still below us because, you know, we're British. We're here. We're in charge of you, et cetera, et cetera. So throughout the years, there's a lot of pride taken by those teams that when they play the conquering team. So if they're playing England in this case, and like, let's say it's South Africa, they get so excited and pumped when they win or they tie in football. Basically, you're just as good as them, if not better. Right. It's like it's like one up in your big brother. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or one up in your dad, <laughs> which I mean, in this case, it was one up being the oppressor. And that's what it's going to become, right? Like it's going to be a way for them to try to escape, you know, their abject poverty. If they can prove themselves, you know, playing soccer when they have no other way, you know, to get out of the hole that they've been put in. Yeah. Soccer is going to be like one of those escapes, just like you see in the United States where you have people trying to escape poverty through sports. Exactly. You finally get recognition and you're not treated like the rest of the people. And it's one of those weird things that you're valued for a sport you can play, even though like their local doctors or anything that they may have, that they had at the time were nowhere near as valued as someone who could play soccer really well or could play cricket very well, which cricket took off like crazy took off over in like India. Yeah. Rugby took off like no one's business in Australia. So these British sports, Britain doesn't even really do well in them anymore on like the na- on the international scene. So like the Olympics, you don't actually expect England to do that well when it right. comes to like soccer, rugby or cricket. I mean, they're there, but it's kind of like, you know, back in the 90s with the dream team, the Olympics for USA, you didn't really expect anybody else to even get close. Yeah, exactly. Um, but now you're like, because yeah, it's because it was our game, right? Like, how dare anybody beat us at our own game? And then... <laughs> exactly. Now it's like, well, maybe yeah. best we don't have Olympics this year. <laughs> yeah, with the uh, going back to the cricket real quick, 
I remember in 2000, I want to say it was 2007, 2008, I was sitting there watching a game in the middle of a Sunday afternoon just because nothing else was on. I was probably hungover. <laughs> and there's cricket on television. I watched the whole cricket game. I was like, I'm going to figure out how cricket is. It turned out that game, I believe, was Barbados playing the UK for the championship, the Caribbean championship. And it was a huge deal because it was the first time any Caribbean team beat uh, the UK in cricket. And it was you know, wow. absolutely, it was crazy to watch on television, like yeah. how excited everybody was. Yeah. And like going back to any of these sport games, when they're played not in London and they're not played in the UK and they were played in those home countries, the fans would use it as a way of kind of protesting. They're being ruled by, you know, an outsider. And that was like the only time it was acceptable for them to really have protests. And there would be like little snide protests. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the one that was used in South Africa. But they basically, when um, the team in Zanzibar beat the team from the UK, it was just like all out madness on the field. And they were just so excited because it basically said that, you know, we're just as good or better than, you know, you. Yeah. No, it's, it's really astounding how this idea of like trying to get people on board with essentially the empire turns out to be one of the biggest ways to stick it to the empire, right? And a nonviolent way, of course. Right. Nonviolent protesting through sports because we beat you. Right. Yeah. And I mean, there was a lot of, I would say, like issues with some of these games, especially when it comes to like referees. So there was instances where there were all out like just the home team would leave because the referees were favoring the British and they'd be like, I'm out of here. This isn't fair. We didn't even touch them and we're getting, you know, a red card. Yeah. Um, and it would just kind of put things in perspective. And there's also like unique customs that came from each country. Like one of the ones is in India, they would play barefoot. Okay. Yeah. They would play soccer barefoot to just be like, see, we're better than you. And we don't even need shoes to protect our feet. <laughs> isn't the South African one, the, uh, when they had the, uh, world cup in South Africa, they played those, what is it? Oh, the Vuzuzelo. Yes. God. And, and that's so, I mean, it's awesome sounding, A. But B, yeah. it's just, again, when you think of somebody from the UK or you think, you know, UK sports in general, you think conservative, you think, you know, proper, even in soccer. I mean, the soccer crowds in the UK are loud, of course, and yeah. cheering on their team. But it's nothing like going to a game somewhere else. Anywhere in, else, yeah. Anywhere else. I mean, I mean, I remember I, when I went to the Dynamo game in Houston, right? Mm -hmm. You have you have a band playing in the uh, stadium. They have they are not associated with the team, but they're allowed to come into the stadium. They're running back and forth of their instruments while they're playing, bouncing on ropes. It's it was crazy. Just you know, whether it's Mexico or, or anywhere else, just the fans that get involved are really super into it. And I would not, you know, describe their level of you know, sports enthusiasm as conservative. <laughs> yeah, no, agree. So like going back to like the sports, like when it comes to like conservative, when I think of British known sports, like coming from them would be like tennis, because it's a very like posh sport. Same with golf. Right. And also horse racing, which is very like British and playing like polo and whatnot. And when it comes to like soccer, I, the game itself, it started with like medieval peasants and there were not really any good rules back in like the 1300s. And it just got, you know, more unified and that's, and they spread it out later on through like the 1800s. But just thinking about, you know, you created the sport and you were good at it for like a hot minute and then literally everywhere else is better. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
like I'm trying to think of like last couple World Cups. I mean, you had Germany, you've had Brazil. Um, I'm probably just making names up, but those are the only two I know off the top of my head. I mean, U.S. won like a zillion years ago. I mean, you're asking a Texas high school football teacher who won the World Cups. I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) My bad. My bad. Football another time. Different football. Different football. football. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When you'd ask me, uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll I'll do your sports podcast with history stuff. You're like, all right, we're talking about imperialism and soccer. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) She hates me. Don't worry. I'll bring you back. We'll talk about real football. We'll talk okay. about the best, the best uh, quarterback in the world, Patrick Mahomes. Just okay. We can talk about Patrick Mahomes. That's fine. I love, I love Mahomes. <laughs> but yeah, Mahomes is great. He's such amazing. I really find it interesting that the fact that you had these different countries that united behind a sport that they were taught by their conquerors that they then used as a way to stick it to the man. And then at the same time, you know, they would have civil disobedience. They would do walkouts because they didn't like the refs because they were being biased. Or you had these countries that, you know, were able to no longer be under British rule and they would beat them in any sport. It's just like all out madness because you're like, I, you know, my family, my older family would remember, not me personally, my family doesn't remember anything with sports. But like in India, when they beat them the very first time at cricket after India was no longer under the British crown, like it was utter madness and excitement to be like, see, we are better than you. We've always known we should have never been ruled by you. And it was just like a, a pride moment. And so sadly, we don't have the Olympics this year. I think I'm like one of the few people who's really sad that there's no Olympics. But when it comes to, you know, besting some of these imperialistic nations, you have these formerly conquered countries that go in and they take so much pride just beating, a, you know, a country that used to rule them. And it turns yeah. into like a whole international flair in a sense. It doesn't matter that they came in like 10th, but England came in 12th. So ha. Right. It. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, as time went on, when you get to the early 1900s, mid 1900s, and you have the spread of nationalism through Europe, you're going to see the same spread of nationalism after the First World War, where these countries are going to get behind their sports teams, you know, because that's, that's part of their identity. Their soccer team is part of their identity. And I think it became very prevalent during the Cold War, too. So like after World War II, during the Cold War, because they have this, you know, if you're a communist country and then versus a non-communist country, and it is that nationalism pride as well. I would say probably within like maybe like the past 10 years, there are certain countries that don't have as much nationalism pride as they used to, either because they're not as good at sports anymore, which is totally fine. Or like we're not good at winter sports whatsoever. No one I know watches the Winter Olympics. Right. People, and they're like, oh, <laughs> team figure skating and i'm like that's cool i'll i'll wait two more years for my other stuff but that's right. okay i'll wait for archery it's not a big deal <laughs> not that us is good at it but that's okay but i agree with you that spread of nationalism brought about more of a you know that if you're on the if you make the national team it's not just that you know you're playing sports you are embodiment your country and you have to go and win it for your country not just because you want to go win the gold but you want to go and do your country proud because by doing your country proud on an international stage shows that you're a real country yeah it was a double-edged sword the idea of bringing sports and making people quote-unquote british eventually became as us versus them us and them you know i mean yep you've allowed me to create something through their own oppression of course You've allowed me to create something that I can identify with 
me, myself, and my country against you. So that's that's going to be a problem, of course, for Britain losing its empire, essentially. Yeah. And I feel they took it in stride. I mean, it's British people with their very British personality and just being like, we never we never cared about that anyways. Um, so maybe India. I think they cared about that. Yeah. Cool. Oh, <laughs> they yeah. didn't want to lose India. <laughs> Out of all the ones to lose, I would say India and well the united states <laughs> yeah i mean they didn't try to come back in 1812 and i mean i'm pretty sure at the civil war they were like if they destroy themselves we can take it back over oh yeah absolutely and totally a conspiracy theory there i'm just saying national treasure too totally had it right <laughs> I, I mean i don't think it's i don't think it's not you know i think it would have been difficult well that's that can be a podcast for a different day <laughs> about about other things but yeah i enjoy having another history but like history buddy on here because so far nobody else has been a history buff but they like history or they like things about it which is nice but yeah so sports yeah well (laughs) let me just say like this was fun for me even though like i don't know much about soccer i do know stuff about imperialism you know i was a history major i haven't been able to use my research chops for a long time but this was fun for me uh researching this topic that makes me so happy. Will you join me again on another podcast? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Excitement. Well, do you have any last closing remarks about goal for imperialism? Well, it's just when you look at any empire, and particularly the British Empire, you know, they followed the same model anybody else follows. And eventually, of course, it never ends up well. Like you think it's going to end up well, that you're going to do it better. Uh, you want to try to integrate people and make them seem more like you, when in reality, all you do is make them see the differences between one another. And in this case, we're using the example of soccer. We could have used a few others, but it fits just the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't try to control people and make them lesser than you. you know yeah. what I, mean? I mean, when I was doing my research for this, I stumbled upon my new favorite term, which is muscular Christian, which is basically an 1870s version of the YMCA where you are becoming better and more godly because you are doing sports. And if you are doing sports, you are learning teamwork, you are learning authority, you are learning to respect authority as well as be loyal to your teammates and your coach. And you put them above your family, which I thought was like, huh, that's a little weird, but okay, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you have people that literally were like all about sports and into God and wanting to preach Jesus back in the 1800s that would go on these missionaries to parts that were uh, part of the British Empire that weren't Christian. And they would use sports to help convert them, which is just like a whole nother thing with just, you know, the spread of your own ideas. Um, and then also like traditions throughout the British Empire during imperialism, you know, they would take things from other country, like badminton is actually an Indian sport that was taken back by the Lord of Badminton. And he named it after his house, <laughs> his last, I can't remember his last name. I'm drawing a blank, but he literally changed the name. And so it sounds like it's a British sport, but in all honesty, it's from India. They changed a little bit of it. So it could technically be played inside. Okay. So yeah, the British kind of stole other people's traditions and sports and made them their own because soccer isn't even British. It was played, you know, during China, uh, ancient Greece, Rome, and even Japan. But yeah, the, I was reading about that as well. Yeah, and the British just modernized it. So, yay, soccer. <laughs> um, I mean, at least I mean, I I mean to be f- to be fair, a lot like most everywhere in the world, you had some kind of kickball sport. But uh, Britain actually sat down and wrote rules for it. So, I mean. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, they're not the 
schoolyard rules where you're like, hey, I think that that flower over there makes it out. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so they drew lines. Well, thanks for joining us again on But Have You Heard About uh, with Courtney and my wonderful guest, Brad. And Brad will join us again in the future. And we're going to talk some more history and fun shit because Brad is awesome. And I hope everybody has a fabulous time. Bye.